This is Rob McCallum, writer-director of Nintendo Quest, and this is the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Podcast. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 14. Uh, this is your regular host, Greg, speaking. Uh, we are going to be talking about in this podcast uh, the second RPG we've covered in this podcast so far, um, the classic RPG uh, Breath of Fire 2, which was published and released by Capcom for the Super NES uh, uh, back in, a, in 1995. So this is kind of like a, um, a later Super NES uh, game release. And uh, this game was... Partly requested uh, by somebody who's uh, so also on a podcast like me today uh, to, to talk about his uh, love and experiences like of the game. Um, I'm very pleased to be joined by a very active Retro Junkie member and a, uh, like a very active supporter of numerous podcasts, uh, including my own, uh, Philip Vaughn. So how's it going Hi. today, Phil? Uh, it's going all right. Just ready to talk about this in video games. Okay, great. Um, so, what's your history and experience like the Super NES? Did you have one back in the day, or did you get one like later on? Or I got a Super NES on the Christmas when they combined it with the Legend of Zelda pack. I think that was Christmas of '92. I believe so. Okay. And I've had one pretty much ever since. I love my Super Nintendo. It's one of my favorite systems ever. Yeah, same here, definitely. Um, so did you get Breath of Fire 2 like when it first came out, or was this more of like a later pickup? It was a it was a rental game for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but I could never even get halfway through it, so I wound up buying it as a late teenager. Okay, all right. Um, well, the Breath of Fire series I think is a series that was uh, that kind of falls in that area of a RPG series that was popular at the time it came out, but it's kind of like faded into to, 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 to kind of faded into a more like obscure viewpoint these days. Um, 
uh, she kind of falls into, in like my mind at least, one of those uh, mid-class RPGs of the system that was that was good and was popular when it came out. I remember this game sold well. I remember like a lot of positive press and buzz about it when it came out originally. Um, but it's kind of falling in, like, in that kind of gray area these days with a number of other RPGs for like the system. Uh, kind of like the Lufia games and maybe like a um, uh, an Arcanal, which we already covered in previous podcasts. Um, uh, uh, like in Lagoon is games that really are not talked about very much more, uh, too much like more these days, which which is kind of a shame because uh, this game is still like a lot of fun. I think uh, 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 like it's a very good RPG. This is a um, Capcom's uh, uh, RPG series that they've done for a number of years. So um, Breath of Fire 2 made a lot of improvements over the original Breath of Fire. I think. Um, did you ever play the original Breath of Fire? Oh yes, owned it as well. Okay, uh, so you and you like this game better than the original one I'm taking? Um, on certain aspects. Okay. As an overall, I mean, you were you were right. I mean, they had a lot of improvements in this game over the first one. The big lack of improvement that they had was that the translation team was they did a horrible job. Translations was always unfortunately lacking during this time period. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you know, SquareSoft suffered from a big time like in the Final Fantasies. Uh, Sega was a little bit better with the Fancy Stars, but they still had some problems. Had some problems there also. Um, I really don't think translations really got even good until like the like to the late PlayStation PS2 era, uh, around yes. like you know 2000. Maybe like Final Fantasy VIII uh, and some other games around the time period were really the ones that started having like perfect translations. Yes. Think oh, like when internet chatting first started taking off and the companies could contact each other from overseas easily. Right, right, definitely. Um, so the Breath of Fire series uh, has reached a total of six games altogether. Uh, the original Breath of Fire was published by uh, SquareSoft actually, uh, for, like the Super NES back like, in the early '90s, because Capcom uh, wasn't really sure that the game would do very well here in the states. Uh, but yep. the game. But the game did well enough for them to decide to bring the bring the second game over like over themselves. Uh, it came out in Japan in December 19, December '94, U.S. in December '95, and Europe and Europe and in Europe like in April like in April '96. Um, Breath of Fire 3 came out with the PlayStation in the like in the late '90s, and, and Breath of Fire 4 with the PS2 in or like around like around 2000. Uh, both of those games I, I played and beat. They were okay, but I don't think. To, to, but I don't think like either game is quite as good like Breath of Fire 2. Um, do you have any experience like those like other layer two games? Um, I've got I have either either have owned or do still own all of the Breath of Fire games. I've beaten all of them except for Part Six, which I don't know if it's even out yet. No, uh, Part Six came out last year in Japan. Uh, it is a um, uh, PC and mobile game. But as at this point, Capcom has said the, the Capcom has said it's undetermined if the game is going to be released in the West. Gotcha. So I'm not I'm not I'm not hopeful on this, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but there should be a PC fan fan patch of the game eventually. Uh, eventually, like I would suspect. Um, so, um, but uh, it breaks, breaks the rules for Breath of Fire games, from what I've seen. Yes, from little I, yes, from little I found out about the game doing and doing research 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 for this one's very different. Uh, kind of a, because it hasn't been a Breath of Fire game in like about ten years, so yeah. um, it could be forgiven if you thought this, like you thought, like you thought this was a dead series. But uh, um, I missed this game uh, for the Super NES back when that uh, back was out. I've always been a big RPG fan, but you know there are just certain games I gravitated, I gravitated to more than others. 
and um, and the, uh, and when I got my, my my Super NES for Christmas '91, I, I also had purchased uh, Final Fantasy IV with it, uh, which was only Final Fantasy II at the time. And that game set a very high bar for like what an RPG game should be. And oh, yeah. and yeah, and yeah, and because of that reason, I kind of stuck to that. that reason, I mostly stuck towards Squaresoft RPGs and didn't really play many of the RPGs from other companies back then. Um, I did finally pick up this game and beat it uh, when it came out again for the GBA several years ago. Uh, the game's ported to the GBA in 2007 uh, with several enhancements that we'll talk about uh, later on here. Um, and really enjoyed the game. I thought it was like, you know, a lot, a lot better than the first game. Probably a very good, strong 16 bit title. Um, and this game's also available now on the Virtual Console uh, as, uh, uh, as of a couple years ago. So you can play it that way too if you want to. Uh, so, um, unlike the other Breath of Fire games, this one's actually a direct sequel to Breath of Fire 1. Uh, it's a, uh, 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 the manual specifies that this game takes about 500 years after the event, like the original game. Um, so, um, like, so, like, so I'm curious to hear from you, what did you like about this game versus the first game that you felt, that you felt like there was improvement? What really, like, attracted you to this game? Okay, um, well, there's a few things. Uh, for one... Every single character has a specialty secondary ability. Like, um, much in the way of Final Fantasy III on Super Nintendo, where every character had a special, unique attack inside of battle, like Locke could steal, uh, you have the same thing here. You have Bo, your partner, your first one, who can use the aim ability to always hit. Cat's got a taunt ability that always makes the enemy attack her. Rand can wake up your teammates by doing them one damage, and if they're dead, he can bring them back to life. Um, your main character, Ryu, can use the Guts move to recover a certain amount of HP depending upon what his Guts stats set at. But everybody in battle could do something special. And aside from your main character, all of them could do something special on the main map as well. Um, aside from Blue, she's a hidden character that's been brought over from the first game and turns out to be a big thing later on in the series. Mm -hmm, right. But, um, see, all of that made battle... You know, it made it, it made it made it more fun and entertaining. And in the big map screen, uh, Bo and Cat can hunt to get you free food, which will almost always have like a full heal effect. You have Stein that can go across canyons. Nina later on in the game can turn into a bird. Spar can go through the woods. Just all sorts of crazy abilities outside of combat. And in the first game, it's all like old traditional RPGs. It's basically walk around the world map to the next town. Right, yeah. There's several mini-games uh, that are possible in this game. Uh, like, I always like kind of enjoy like RPGs that have like mini-games uh, like as part of that feature. Um, there's also a fishing game, that, the fishing game also that I remember playing that's pretty fun. Um, that, yeah. I hate that. <laughs> well, I feel the same way like, with the hunting game. The hunting game is impossible for me. I'm just like, you know, I can't catch that little damn thing. So, gotcha. but um, the hunting game like, drives me nuts. But, uh, um, yeah, so... Um, uh, so it's like add upon just like add upon all the great things that you mentioned that you mentioned to that makes game like very good. Um, I really enjoy that monster meter aspect uh, uh, also in the game that you can see. Uh, that kind of gives you that rough idea of the probability of encountering enemy monsters like in a given area. Uh, it's a really nice touch that I wish like more games from this, from like the, like the old school uh, random encounter system uh, like utilized. Um, because to be to be to be, to be, to be, to be to give you clues to how what your chances are of bringing to, um, of bringing to a random battle are and that, that, that kind of stuff. So, 
Um, I also really enjoyed like the uh, um, uh, the town building uh, aspect to the, the aspect of the, of the game. You get a base uh, or further in the game, and, and and you can upgrade it with people and buildings as the game goes on, uh, which really unlocks some additional features to, to features and options for you as the game goes. Like the game goes. Mm -hmm. So that's a very like fun aspect to it, also I think. It's... Oh yeah. Um, three different town building possibilities, yeah. Um, yeah, and the uh, combat is like, and the uh, and the combat system in this game I thought worked very well. Like it's very streamlined. Like it's very quick. Like most battles. Um, just to, um. I prefer kind of, um, me personally, like I always prefer kind of like seeing like you know hit points, uh, especially for your enemies, expressed in terms of like a gauge as opposed to, like numbers. Uh, I, I kind of think it's like easier to be able just to eyeball to eyeball it real quick and say like okay, uh, one more attack from you, like should be able to finish you off, and I'll have like you attack you instead, so it's not the an attack and that kind of stuff. So uh, the combat system is just <laughs> uh, uh, the combat system like this like. Yeah, yes, the combat system of this game like is like, very nice and uh, like quick pace, I think, which is proven over like you know some games. Yes, uh, I really like the fact that when a battle starts, everybody's already in position. Um, one thing that you know would drive me nuts is trying to go play a game like uh, Lufia, the first one. Um, not too much on the second, but first it would load up your guys, and then it would one at a time load up all of the enemies per fight. Right. Yeah. And, when you beat it, then it has to start the victory music. Then it has to slowly roll through everything you won, and that takes forever. Mm. Multiple fights on the way to the next town, you're going to be bored to death just by the time you reach it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, um, yeah, this game also features uh, this game features a good amount of grinding, as you would expect from like an eight like eight sixteen bit RPG. But there's not as much grinding as there is like some other games. I thought. Um, the grinding in this game is not that bad for most areas, as long as you, as long as you, like, as long as you progress like the game at a normal pace and just beat all the enemies that you come to. Uh, there are a few areas where you have to like you know grind up, I think, uh, to be able to get through dungeons, or dungeons and whatnot. But um, compared to some games, like you know for like Seven Slugger, like for example, to reference another like Super NES game, the grinding in this game is like not, like it's not all that bad. Um, so did you have I to have? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, the story of this game was pretty interesting, I thought, and kind of had a, um, and for a 16-bit game, I thought it had some pretty like dark and mature themes to it compared to many of the games like this time period. Um, oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about maybe the beginning of the games um, uh, as far as the plot and the story, like and how it like draws you in that kind of stuff? Like, the oh yeah, I actually, um, I wrote out a little paper about this for um, Super Nintendo back in the day. Really? Uh, yeah, for class. Cause I, was, <laughs> I was talking about, and we're talking about um, dark paths in school, and I, I wrote out a statement. It was about a whole bunch of different Super Nintendo era games about how they have the darkest histories and pasts of game characters. That's a good thought. Yeah. Hmm. And the the Ryu in every single Breath of Fire game has some kind of darkness to him. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think I think it's a Capcom thing. Yes. <laughs> Aside from Mega Man, everybody's got a dark past. And I mean, in this one, you know, you're a little kid. You have a you have a little sister and a father. You live with them. You go visit um, a giant dragon one day. You rest for a second. You see a crazy eyeball. You get back into the town, and nobody recognizes you. Your father and your sister are gone, and they're telling you that you're hallucinating. And that's just crazy. 
You meet your best friend who's an orphan thief, and he says, let's hightail it to the next town, so you go with him. You wind up in a cave, and there's the biggest, scariest monster that you've ever seen in your life, and he kills you in one hit and tells you to go open some random gate that you've never heard of with no explanation as to what's going on. And you get a, a two-paragraph box saying you walked out of there after getting your butt kicked. And then it's ten years later with no explanation. Raised as a harsh orphan who is now with his best friend as an adult doing a hunting job, becoming a bounty hunter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's important for an RPG to kind of like you know, draw into the game like early on as far as the plot and story goes, and this game does a very good job of doing that. Um, and you know, as you go through the game and as you like you progress for to by progression of skills and pick up various characters, um, but you find out like more information like about like you know uh, uh, who you are and your past and some of your abilities and what you're supposed to do and that kind of stuff. So like you know things very gradually add on as you go through the game, uh, all culminating like up to like all culminating up toward like you know final battle. And there's actually like, two endings like two, two, two endings available available to you in this game, uh, kind of a good ending like and a bad ending. And you know I really appreciate games that give like multiple endings like this. Again, especially like this time period because again during this again during during, during the 16-bit era there were there weren't too many there weren't like too many games that yeah, too many games that gave you that feature. Uh, yeah, like I, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, and, and it's it's a lot more of a, a good ending bad ending than you would get from like a Sonic game where you either have all the emeralds and you get a true ending because he transforms versus you get a fake ending where Dr. Robotnik just teases you with a bunch of emeralds. <laughs> uh, right. There's even there's even a fake out ending in the game. True. Yes, there is. Yep. Which is even better. So you yeah. got three. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah, I wasn't counting that one because it's not really like a quote-unquote real ending, but yeah, yeah, like it's kind of like a nice, like a nice option. But uh, um, so like... Uh, this is kind of a good segue to talk about the characters, you know, the characters you get, like, in the game. Um, so the main character, as you already said, like, you know, like, is Ryu. Um, and, you know, he's pretty much your basic, your basic fire type, like, with sword, that kind of stuff. Um, but you also get some very, as the game, as the game progresses, like, you'll be able to unlock some very powerful abilities, like, abilities, like, with him. Um, but, uh, and your best friend, as you mentioned previously, uh, previously, like, his name, Bo, uh, kind of a, kind of a dog creature, um... Uh, he, yes, um, he's your, he's your, a, um, a ranged, ranged character, like this crossbow, uh, also very good at healing magic. Uh, he was very useful to me, like, throughout most of the game, but, uh, until I, like, like, I guess more powerful here, uh, magic users, like, in the party, like, fire keep everybody healed. Um, so, uh, the, the max characters you can have in your party in this game is a, uh, is a, a six, right, I think? Um, in a battle, four. Okay, four. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I was trying to remember. Um, but um, um, so some of the other characters that you also can pick up like in the course of the game, uh, like his cat, uh, who is spelled K T T in his appropriate name because she really is kind of like a cat person. Um, uh, she's kind of a she's kind of like a thief uh, character. Um, uh, very strong fighter. Uh, probably the probably one of your strongest like strongest like melee characters in the game. Uh, I really like her a lot because, like you, because later on in the game, when you get both her and, and Ryu at, a, at like a high level, uh, they can one hit and fight one kill like many enemies. Oh yes. Uh, there's also a, a Rand, uh, who's a uh, kind of like a, a, a kind of like a monk. 
like a monk, I think. Um, that's a good way to put him. Yeah, I don't think that was. He's your brawler. Yeah. He's your, he's your defense. Right, right. Your yeah, I've always thought of him like a, a monk. Um, not really that interesting as far as some of the other characters go. Uh, 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 this game suffers some of the same flaws that other RPGs of this time period do in that some characters are developed and explored a lot more than other characters are. Um, and it's, like, he's not really like you know touched upon like all that much. Um, but, but he's useful in but he's useful like certain certain in certain uh, situations. I think it has to do with, um, I don't know, like, maybe Japanese child standards. Like, when you watch a lot of anime, you really get touched upon by strong main characters and cute females. And since he's kind of just the big bulky guy, he doesn't really get put out as both back in the day. Yeah, true. Um, I really don't have too much experience like, like anime, uh, anime stuff, so... Um, but that explanation uh, definitely makes sense. Um, then you also get like one of my favorite characters like, in the game, uh, Nina, uh, who is like who is like who is like related like the original Nina, like the original uh, Breath of Fire. Um, she is a winged human, a princess actually, uh, who was born with black wings, and in her clan, uh, being born with black wings is like a bad sign that something's bad is gonna so it's a bad like what happened the kingdom like she like she flees like um you know flees to try to keep anything like happening so um. Yeah, that's another um, heartbreaking character. Yes, definitely. Uh, the first time you go back to the castle with the princess Mina, uh, the mother refuses to recognize Nina as her own daughter. And, you know, they're not even allowed to be part of the same family or anything. And the little sister doesn't understand, and she's getting upset. Right, yep. Weird, heartbreaking things in Super Nintendo games. Right, yep. Uh, then you have, then you have like one of the weirder characters like in the game, Stan, uh, who's a monkey person, um, who's a, uh, who's introduced, who's introduced in the game as a trickster, like a performer. Very weird attacks and skills he has, but he certainly can be useful, like, in, he certainly can be useful, whatever, uh, like in the right situation. Yeah, he's, um, he's, he's, he's got the second lowest defense. Cat actually has the lowest hmm. But he doesn't do anywhere near as much damage as she can, but he does have the fire magic to back him up. Yeah, it took me a very, very long time to get him, like, very, very powerful. So, uh, yeah. if you want to use him, if you want to use him, use him. He's definitely worth getting to that high level, um, but you definitely have to spend a lot of, you definitely have to put, like, a lot, of, a lot of time and effort into him. Uh, then you also have a, um, um, I, I, um, then you also have, I, um, so, um, I guess we use the French, the French like pronunciation here, uh, like you know Jean, uh, uh, the frog person, um, yes. who is the prince, um, who who has this kingdom being, uh, who has this kingdom uh, upstirred by an imposter, which nobody believes is going on, and when your quest in the game is to help him, is to help him, is to help him convince everybody what's going on, and, and they help him restore like you know proper peace and prosperity like to his kingdom. Uh, pretty, pretty strong person for fighting. Uh, useful. Um, so, like, you know, you, you get the right your weapons and abilities, and he's, like, very, very handy. Yes. He's the team paladin. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's a good way of describing it. Um, then you also have one of the, one of, one of the weirdest characters in the game, and in a game, in a game filled of, in a game filled of, like, you know, weird characters, uh, Spar, uh, who's, who's motionless plant man, uh, who can, like, she has this weird ability to try to commune with nature. 
Um, and and when you first kind of hear him, he's uh, he's he's a captive like in a traveling a um, traveling circus, and you kind of have to rescue him from that. And uh, and as a way of thanking you, he joins your party. Um, I, I never really quite know what to make of this guy. I, I never really, I never really like used him that much, to be honest. Gotcha. Um, he's really good with the shaman mixes. He's got a snapdragon form, which is just amazing. Mm. But uh, the reason his name's Spar is because his name is short for asparagus. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of looks like asparagus, doesn't he? <laughs> I spent a lot. I don't know. I spent a long time trying to uh, do the old debate of is it a man or a woman. And, <laughs> the plant so it's neither which is why it's got um like that the looks is, is a nice mesh and mix between male and female yeah that uh, male and female line really really crosses uh in a very strange and weird way when you do some of the um uh, joins later on in the game uh it's because it also change your characters to your character sprites and you're like and you're like and you're like okay like is that dude actually women or what's going on here but uh very very weird later on in the game of how like we do that so it's a good way to have hidden powers and abilities come out though with true the, definitely um, which, is, yep. which is actually really nice yes and then finally the last character you mentioned previously is an optional character uh blue like from the uh like the original game uh kind of hard to get but worth getting i thought because she has some very because she has some very powerful uh, magic attacks uh, she yeah. definitely is a premier magical, like magical user. Um, I know some people don't like to get her because they, the, because they consider, uh, because they consider that getting her makes the game too easy, um, and they like to have a challenge. But um, but for anybody who's a normal RPGer or for who's playing this game for like the first time, uh, she's well worth taking 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 the time and effort to get. Yeah. Besides, she has one of the Tolans inside of her area, so you should go get it. True. Um, you mentioned the. Well, we talked briefly, briefly, briefly a minute ago, like about joinings that you can do later on in the game. Uh, like, do you want to explain that system, like, and how that actually works and that kind of stuff? Uh, sure. Um, well, throughout the Breath of Fire series, your character's always been part of the Dragon Clan or the Brood. But um, in this one, you don't have any of your powers or anything, and then all of a sudden, a young girl says you're cute, takes you back to her house, and her granny tries to combine you two, and that unlocks your dragon power. Uh, in exchange for blowing up their house, though, they go and move into your own town. So now you can go back to your hometown and see them anytime you want. And what their powers do is there is a shaman of every element, including light, dark, and death. And when you combine a person with them, depending upon what element you combine them with, they'll actually get stat boosts. And certain ones, if it's an element that they already have, will change their coloring, and if you combine them with two shamans that mix well with them, they'll turn them into brand new characters. Yeah, this is really like a, um, a very like unique and interesting aspect of the game that not really too many games have, like, have utilized, like, even like since then. Um, so I really kind of like was surprised to find this in the game uh, when it reached this point, because it really helps to unlock some very hidden, powerful uh, abilities and skills for your characters that you wouldn't to otherwise like, normally get. Uh, and there's a lot of combinations that you can do. Uh, certain combinations are, can be very useful for certain dungeons or against certain bosses, that kind of stuff. Also, if you want to take the time to micromanage that much. Uh, definitely. Um, there, there's only like two big flaws with it, which I think they should have fixed. And that is when you die, you lose your form. 
True. Turn back to normal character. So if you die in battle accidentally or you get a death spell, it's gone. And it takes time to travel all the way back to your hometown, especially if you're knee-deep in a dungeon, and then have to come back again if you want to keep using that power. Uh, you know, that's that's the big first flaw. The big second flaw is um, earlier when I said everybody has an out-of-battle power, they lose that when they're in their special forms. So if you have Stein in your party because you have to cross cliffs, he can't cross them in his special fire genie form. So you have to get them killed or get them disconnected somehow just so you can go across those areas and continue with the map. Right. Uh, this is, yeah, yeah, this is definitely one area of the game. Uh, that, it's one area of the game that, uh, you know, that, uh, that I highly recommend that, you know, I don't think it's cheating to look at, like, at a game FAQ or... Um, uh, like or a guide explaining like you know what combinations do what and which show which ones are recommended for recommended uh, like which characters because there's a lot of like options that you can do and just like you know trial and error like they get trial and error like take like a very long time so uh, I think this is one area like it's okay like to go online and be like okay this person's best with this but that part uh, that person's best with that that kind of stuff uh, save yourself do save yourself some time in aggravation oh yes. And that 20% stat boost will really help in combat. Yes, definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, the basic gameplay is kind of typical of a 16-bit 16-bit RPG. Like, you go uh, you go through dungeons, you fight bosses, uh, like, you um, uh, you have to go on quests. Um, money's not that bad in this game. Um, you know, I really only felt pinched for money in a couple areas. Uh, and those, like, those problems were, and those problems that we usually solved... Uh, but doing some grinding. Uh, the difficulty of the game, I thought, I thought increased like at a very good pace. Um, like I said earlier, as long as you like, you know, spend some time battling when you're supposed to be. Uh, there's really a couple areas like where I had to like go back out and grind out my characters like for a little bit or try out different combinations like and whatnot. Um, so the actual, the actual gameplay and pace of the game, I thought was like you know very, very balanced. Um, there are some very tough boss fights in this game, though. I thought some very nasty fights. Uh, there's definitely some of the more challenging boss fights, probably uh, boss fights like sort of like RPGs go. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of the boss fights, like the big problem with them is, is this game their gut system actually gives you an automatic counterattack chance, which is good. Except that some of the enemies have an automatic counterattack chance as well, and almost every boss has a hit everybody attack, and if they hit you with a normal physical attack. I think every single boss in the game has a move called Egg Beater, where they just attack you again immediately. So they hook you twice with physical attacks. Right. That is just rough. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's certain battles that, the, uh, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, because of that, because of that, there are some battles that are like, so there are some battles in the game against bosses that come down to luck partly, uh, depending upon like what combination of attacks, like of attacks they use on you. Um, um, and uh, and uh, and you play this like an emulator. Uh, save states are definitely like a helpful thing to have. Uh, uh, for going to a boss fight and that kind of stuff. So um, the dungeons themselves. I'm curious to hear what you think about the dungeons. Um, to like the dungeons, like we're all right for the most part. Um, there's really only a couple of confusing dungeons. I thought uh, most of the ones I was able to make it through. Like on the castles of problems. Um, exploring is definitely encouraged. Like it is like uh, uh, like it is like most RPGs to find like items, items and treasure and that kind of stuff. Um, but the dungeons I thought were like were okay. They were pretty well balanced. Just like uh, a balance for RPGs, 
those time periods. Uh, definitely. I never, I never felt in this game the same way I did in um, games like Lufia, where if you go down the wrong path, you're going to spend 10 minutes getting to the end of it to learn out that it's useless, and by the time you get back, you're just dead. I always felt that, um, that you know, the, the wrong paths are always short, mm. and usually there's an item, and usually you don't have to deal with too many random right. battles getting back. Yeah, Luffy's a good example, like, about, like, the, I um, mean, you know, like I said earlier, I haven't played that one myself yet, but I have heard that complaint, like, about the, like, the long dead end. Uh, like, I know one game, like, right. Uh, well, I know one game that definitely, that definitely suffered, like, the, the, I, 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 you know, one game that comes to mind right away for, for suffering, for suffering, like, that flaw, uh, Fantasy Star 2, uh, suffered from a big time. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Um, so, um, um, so the graphics in this game are, for, like, for a late Super NES game, um, I thought the graphics were good, but they weren't as great as you were seeing with other Super NES games that came out around the 95 time period. Um, it definitely felt like, um, this game definitely felt like it could have been, so this game definitely felt like it could have been released, like, you know, three or four years earlier. as like a launch title Super NES game, I thought. Um, I mean, the game flowed very well, and there weren't any major slowdown or flaw issues that I saw. But the graphics, while they are colorful and detailed, uh, they don't have the same kind of oomph that I think, like you know, later Super NES games had in their graphical scales and uh, graphical scales and palettes and that kind of stuff. Um, I completely uh, I can agree with the graphics um, because of the way you said the color and the art style is very very reminiscent of Capcom. And you can, you can definitely look at it and say this is a Capcom game. Oh yeah, definitely. But um, the, the big thing I loved about it though was uh, the sprites out of combat, and the sprites in combat, and even the bad guys in combat, were they were much more colorful and vibrant than what I'm used to seeing in my Final Fantasy games. The characters were bigger than they were in my Final Fantasy games too, where I would get a, you know, their sprite from the world map in the battle versus an enemy who's been hand-drawn to be 18 times my character size. Mm -hmm, right. So it's, it's a lot more proportionate, which I liked. Yeah. But as far as the actual graphics go, I mean, you're, you're very much right. It very much looks like a colorful, cartoony game. Um, I did like the battle... I mean, no, I did like the battle scenes, though. Uh, you know, the, like, you know, like, um, I'm really a fan, like, the, uh, I'm really a fan, like, the uh, perspective, having that, you know, like, you know, kind of like... Uh, I'm not really sure what you call kind of like, you know, like, Kind of like you know, slanted, kind of sideways, half sideways, half slanted viewpoint that the game has, with the characters kind of like the bottom right and the bottom right, and the monsters like the top left. Um, it's much more interesting and I think enjoyable, enjoyable battle, a battle viewpoint compared to compared to some other like RPGs. Um, so like you know, I really enjoy that, like you know, battle viewpoint uh, that this game utilizes. Um, I I agree the. The big thing about battles that made a difference to me, um, unlike any other RPG I had seen up to that point, even over the first game, every enemy, when he had an attack, you would see a bunch of animations for it. There was never an enemy that just sat still, blinked, and then had its effect happen. Mages would actually move their hands and their wands. Giant frog monsters would actually laugh out their tongue at you. Giant worms would actually swing and slash in circles before hitting you mm -hmm, right all of your main characters all had unique physical attack animations and magic casting animations defenses i mean 
it was it was it very much came to life in battle. Right, yeah, there definitely is like a lot of like you know detail and small touches that are present like this game. Uh, not just in battle, also the towns I thought also had that ability like a lot also. Uh, the small touches like here and there and that kind of stuff. So, uh, uh, the music in this game I thought was pretty good. I think it's kind of hit and miss soundtrack. However, uh, there's certain songs that stand out in my mind as being like very good. Uh, Windy music I think is awesome. Uh, the bat. Uh, the boss theme is very good. Uh, the battle music is all right for, for like an RPG, and there's other like music pieces that I'm just like, blah. It's just you know like, very very forgettable. Um, it's not like a Final Fantasy game where like you know almost like all the music in the game is like top notch. It's very hit or miss. Uh, I thought in this game like the quality of music. Yes, I've I've never looked at uh, the early Breath of Fire games and thought orchestra the same way I always thought of when I looked at Final Fantasy. I'm I'm actually more surprised when I play it because, as a kid, you know, I recognized Capcom because I loved my Mega Man games when mm -hmm. I was a little younger on my NES and Mega Man X on my Super Nintendo, and I'm not hearing that same, every single thing has a great individual, great beat. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, definitely. On this, you know, every boss has the same villain music, most, like, um, I think half of the caves have the same music and the dungeons have a different music. But you visit caves and dungeons so often that it just, it all gets repetitive. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, one other thing I spent quite a bit of time on in the game that helped me out, uh, that helped me out a lot. I'm curious to know, like, if you spend any time on it. Uh, one of the many games that you can do in the game that's optional, uh, that you can unlock later on, uh, later on in your town after you get the right person, so the right person to join, um, like, it's a cooking game. Um, it's like, you, like, you spend time bringing the, like bringing the cook, uh, the right combination of items, uh, then having the cook can make you some very powerful items that you can use like in battle to help you out with stuff and whatnot. And this is, and that's really the only way to unlock some of the more powerful and unique items in the game. Uh, again, this is definitely, uh, this, again, there's definitely an area uh, where consulting a guy online is, if like, if like to recommend it. Um, none of it is critical, but I think for me at least, spending the time to do the cooking game and to get some very nice uh, powerful items very made certain areas of the game a lot easier especially 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 like those last like dungeons uh we ran into constant constant uh, constant enemy battles with like tough monsters and wicked difficult boss fights um did you spend any time uh trying to get some cooking items done um when i remembered which one of the three carpenters created the cooking game um, it did help a lot and because you're absolutely right, you can take random items to them. Um, there's, you know, there's lists on the internet now of what mm -hmm. items you can give them to get what results. But you can get some very powerful one-use items, some stat-up items. I mean, you can get very intense things from these characters. Yes, definitely. Um, matter of fact, uh, it's it's probably the best carpenter to choose. And if you go online nowadays and look up recommendations, that's always the one people recommend. Mm -hmm. because the other one plays a game of Othello with the Tolans you find in the game, and if you don't find him, or if you don't use him, those Tolans are useless, and you can't sell them or throw them away. True, yep. And the third one owns a bar that gives you um, hidden stat information, stuff like how many enemies you've beaten or how many times you've fallen in battle. So the cooking game by far takes the lead on what's a good item to get or what's a good character to choose. Hmm. Right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, definitely overall, uh, this is a very strong RPG. I think this game really, 
I think this game holds up pretty well compared to other 16-bit RPGs uh, by the time period that came out on the Super NES and Genesis. Um, as being like a very um, like a very strong game. Uh, the stories ahead of its time, I thought, you talked about earlier, like it was like, you know, mature and darker themes to it. Um, the graphics and music are good enough to get the job done. Uh, the gameplay is very fun. Um, the difficulty, the difficulty level was just about right. And, they, uh, the game is huge. The game's huge, like, about being massive. Um, I didn't spend quite as long having to, having to get through this game, for example, that it's, uh, you know, it's like a Final Fantasy or a Final Fantasy or uh, like a Chrono Trigger game. Uh, I probably put in, you know, I probably put in about like 20, 25 hours to beat this game originally. So um, it's a moderate, moderate length, moderate length game, which is like pretty good for an RPG. I thought uh, the main weaknesses to this game, I think, are pretty, are pretty typical of any kind of weakness that you'd say that uh, like my game this time period. Um, just like you know, like the um, uh, with some of the things that they dressed. Uh, like that they dressed like the uh, like the GBA remake later on, but you know, the, um, uh, but the shortcomings of this game are just kind of typical of the games of the time period, with like you know, like the like the slow movement and shy translation and uh, translation and just the, uh, the 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 save points kind of being like uh, not not always in the best areas and they um, uh, like that kind of stuff. I mean. Um, this game is really a very strong contender to play if you like enjoy like classic RPGs, um, and and uh, and if you want to have a more mature, difficult storyline and some very interesting characters and just like a more different kind of a um, uh, challenging RPG, uh, then this game is very it's like it's really very worth checking out. I think. I mean, compared to the first games, I really can't recommend anybody except like diehard RPG fans. Uh, this game's pretty good for a moderate RPG person. I, I would not say this is like an intro RPG. Um, this is definitely not a game you want to pick up if you've never played a 16-bit uh, RPG before in the past, but um, but if you have played some games in the past, like the Final Fantasies, and you enjoy classic RPGs, and, and not checked out this one for, for one reason or another, um, it's, it's like very worth playing. Uh, like either um, like either, like either GBA Remake or on virtual console, like an emulation. Um, it's a very... Uh, like it's a very unique game in some aspect. I thought I, I thought like the storyline, the characters, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I think a lot of people should play it if they haven't played it already. Just um, you got to go to it with the same theory that you have for all of the 16-bit era. You've got to have patience. You got to realize that this is not an instant-gratification game like a lot of newer RPGs. There is gr actual grinding. Hmm. You know, if you don't got enough money, you might have to grind for it. If you're smart, you'll go fish and you'll need to sell your fish because they're worth a lot more money than the boss. True. And everything else. Yeah, and mercifully, the grinding in this game is not as bad. It's like it's not as bad as it is like some other games. Um, you know, there are some other games that can come. There are some other games that leap to mind right away. Like the grinding is much, grinding is much much worse. Um, oh yeah. So, um, the GBA remake of this game addressed some of the weak points that I thought the original Super NES release of this game uh, had. Um, have you ever played the GBA remake? Yes. Okay. Um, the GBA remake basically featured as the major additions. Um, it had some a uh, uh, like it had some redrawn character portraits and like menu screens. Like, um, but it also had some new still images. That also had some new still images. Had some new still images uh, with using the cutscenes, uh, both of which look very, very nice. Uh, the battle, uh, the battle interface is redesigned to be more like Breath of Fire 4s. Um, I think it's 
better as it is uh, than it was originally, but there's still like a few flaws with it, I thought. Um, but one upgrade I really do love that that mercifully that the Final Fantasy uh, GBA ports have also, that I've also had, um, a dash button to allow you to be able to, so to be able to go through the game like a lot faster, and that's much, much appreciated. Uh, because like trying to play, trying to go back and play one of these older RPGs now, when you're used to like a modern RPG, is like you know this, you know this is slow, this is sluggish. But you know having that having that warp speed ability really, really helps you out a lot. Um, the last major upgrade that they made was the item sharing system, where two people can link together their games, uh, like the link cable to exchange items. So like you have an item that your friend wants and your friend has an item that you want, uh, the two of you can just link up and swap items, which is great. Interesting. So yeah, uh, the dash button is the the dash button alone. I think I, I think is enough to is is enough to highly suggest. Don't play the original Super NES version of this game. Play the GBA version because uh, I think the dash button alone. But you may disagree with me uh, on this, but I think the dash button alone adds enough adds enough weight uh, to help to, to recommend to recommend the, to, to recommend the GBA remake uh, over like over the original version because it really helps to make things a lot faster. Uh, I probably saved uh, I probably saved a good hour or two to something like you know, being able to dash through towns uh, towns and whatnot. Um, as opposed to how, as opposed to how, as opposed to how I imagine it must have been like the original game. Yes, I can completely understand that. Uh, I don't know what version that the virtual console console uses. Probably the original Super NES version. So, um, but still, I mean, like the fact you can get the game still these days is great because a lot of uh, because unfortunately there are some Super NES classics like Earthbound that you can't get on virtual console. Uh, like for one or another, so the very fact this game is still is still commercially available, like it's definitely good. Yeah, um, the Virtual Council um, has the original Super Nintendo version on it. Yeah, that's what I suspected, uh, because that's what they usually use. So, uh, yeah. um, um, so if you want to get this game physically, uh, the prices for this game are are probably right about what you expect to pay for a Super Nintendo RPG. Um, because this game was not made in huge amounts, it certainly didn't get the print run that, say, a Final Fantasy game did. Um, but the pricing, pricing for this game is not really that bad uh, if you're looking at, like, cart only. Uh, as far as, like, you know, Super NES pricing, uh, pricing for RPG games go, go right now. I found, 80, I found 80 copies of this game until recently. So the game is out there um, in a fairly common amount. And if you want cart only... You can pick up a copy of this game for about forty to forty to forty to sixty-five dollars, uh, which is which is like I said, about average for Super NES like RPG. Uh, not that bad. Um, you really don't need the manual for anything too critical, I think, and you can always find that manual like online these days. So um, if you want a complete in box, though, that's that's where it gets a bit more expensive. Uh, the the price range for the, the price range of CIB copies ranging from seventy-five to one hundred sixty-five dollars. Um, and this is for the Super NES version only. If you want the GBA version, that version that that version is available like for a bit cheaper. Um, I, I saw a card only version of that one for like about twenty bucks. So, um, so like I said, it's average price for Super NES RPG. Um, like about what you expect. Um, pricing of this may may come down in the future uh, when this bubble that we're in right now of Super NES car pricing cl uh, collapses eventually. But um, on the other hand, RPGs tend to hold their value pretty well, so I really don't know. Yeah, it'd be a lot cheaper to get it on a. Definitely be a lot cheaper to get it on Advance than it would be to get a cart. But I think that's the way it is with all Super Nintendo games, like you said. There's just that big bubble that's gone ever since PS2 hit. 
Well, there are some Super NES games we covered in the podcast that they're on the podcast that have been like, uh, you know, that have been available play available like pretty cheap. But uh, this game, this game being a small run, plus also plus also plus also uh, combined the fact that it was like uh, plus also like combined the fact that it was like an RPG, uh, I think kind of explains the higher value. So, um, um, so uh, we already. Um, I already mentioned a couple, a couple, a couple uh, thoughts and some and some and some hints and tips for what I think people should kind of do if they're like if they're going this game, uh, going this game new for, like the first time, uh, like as a newbie, uh, like to the game. Um, do you have any like uh, hints or tactics that you may pat uh, that you want to pass on to our listeners out there for anybody who's not played this game yet and wants to? Um. Yeah. Sure. Um, one thing you're always going to notice, um, when you go to your Switch menu to change out what characters you have in your party, there's actually a, um, way to set up the way they stand in battle. There's your classic, you know, two by two with two in the front, two in the back. There's a all attack where they put one character in the lead and they actually get a uh, strength boost. I think it's 25%. Uh, there's one called defense where one character is rarely, if ever targeted, who gets behind the rest of the group but they do lower physical damage. Um, there's one that makes all the people move faster. But um, that's it's a really good tactic to use if it's your first time, and, you know, if you want to be more defensive, if you're going to use Nina in your party all the time. Um, another thing, all of your dragon forms in the game do a certain amount of damage already. So when you get your medium dragon forms, they're all named after elements, but they're non-elemental. It's... It is and isn't um, a defect in the game. They said they were supposed to be, but when it, they went back, they said that they were purposely meant to only do one specific amount of damage. But the big thing about reuse transformations is they take up all of his AP to use. Mm. And if he doesn't have full AP when he uses them, the percentage of AP that he's missing, I believe, is the percentage of damage that he misses when he uses that attack. So you always got to be very careful about that. And early in the game, there are barely any items, if you can find any at all, that actually restore your ability points to use your special moves. So you've got to be very careful on how many you use when you go down into combat. Um, aside from that, if you keep Rand in your party when you're on the main map, if you use his special power, he actually turns into a ball, and as long as you're in ball form, you move faster on the world map to uh, help travel quickly, and you can't get in any random battles when he's in that form. But when you wreck, if you wreck, he gets dizzy, and you have a 75% chance of starting a new combat round. This is something you should always remember when you're playing. Mm. Yeah, it's a very good but, point. Yeah, I mean, just, um, you know, they, they put in the fishing mechanic and the hunting mechanic for a reason. Use them. Fishing will get you uh, really cheap, free antidotes that you can sell for a lot of money. And hunting will get you... Full refill health items that you can use in battle. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. So. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. Uh, so like so. Uh, like so. How would you rank this personally, as far as like you know, other, either uh, uh, like your own personal scale uh, of like your RPGs from the 16-bit time periods? Um, you know how, like so, just roughly speaking, how this game like ranked to you. Um, um, as far as like you know, is like you know, like near the top for you as a personal favorite, or more kind of like to the middle, or like where to be for you? Then or now? Are, are we going with our nostalgic value? Ah, <laughs> uh, good point. Uh, why don't you say like you know both? Well, let's see. It's 
as a child, this ranked very high on me because, you know, when you're a kid, you got the one game and you always try to do everything in it. And it's it's a little bit harder on this one to do everything. I loved the way the characters were drawn. Um, as far as wanting to be a character in a video game and an RPG, until I wanted to be Chrono and Chrono Trigger, I always wanted to be Ryu from the Breath of Fire games. <laughs> who doesn't want to be a blue-haired guy who can turn into a dragon? And just guess it? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, this... Out of you know, if it was going to be in my top ten RPGs list back when I was younger, it would have been third from the top, right behind Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy III. Hmm. Okay. I think that as an adult, there might be one or two other RPGs in the way, including um, including such things as Lufia II: Rise of the Sinestrals, because that's a great game, and um, another turn-based. RPG made by Square that I can't remember the name of right now. Oh, is it Bahamut Lagoon? That only came out in Japan. Uh, there was like a fan, like a uh, like a fan patch for the game. Uh, yeah, I, it was fun. Yeah, that was released <laughs> later on. So, but um, as far as the American-made games, I mean, you know, it gets it gets a pretty good ranking. Yeah. I like the way it looks. I like the way it plays out. Um. It, it you know kind of stinks sometimes when you're facing a boss and you really think you've got no way of winning. Yeah. <laughs> Always a healer on your team. You're right. That healer, or at least a really fast character who can use items. Right. Um, yeah, definitely for me. Uh, like if I was ranking this for the 16-bit games, um, you know, I probably would this. But you know, I probably would. I mean, I probably would say there's about like five or six games that probably. You know, probably like you know above this for me personally. Uh, Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy VI. Uh, Chrono Trigger, uh, I'll definitely go above this for me. Um, Fantasy Star 4, Final Genesis, I could be above this uh, like for me because that's a great game. Um, probably like, you know one or two others I can't think of like right now. But yeah, as far as like, um, yeah, but middle of the pack's pretty good because because 16 bit period like it's really like it's really like we're starting to see an explosion of RPGs come over come over here in the West. Um, I haven't looked, but I haven't looked, but I haven't looked, uh, but I suspect. I suspect all together between the Super NES and the Genesis, there probably was there probably there probably something with probably something like about maybe like a couple dozen uh, RPG or RPG like games. So if this to be able like six or seven in the list is like pretty good. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, this game definitely. I've already. Um, yeah, I've already said earlier the things the things the things the, the things this game that I think are really strong points: uh, the story, the characters, the gameplay. Um, what it does well, like it does very well. Um, it's um, it's definitely it's definitely a very interesting take uh, take on the RPG genre from Capcom uh, with how they applied their own special touch to it and everything. So um, yeah, this game's still worth playing today. I think it's still like still like a very fun like a fun challenging RPG. Um, if you've not played this game before in the past or, or have only ever been exposed to the later PlayStation uh, PlayStation Breath of Fire games, uh, this one's definitely like worth going back uh, going back and taking a look at uh, because. Um, because they're very, very uh, fun, like and very, very challenging, and it's not too time-consuming. Like I said, like I said, I remember going through this game about 20 to 20, 20, 20, 20, 25 hours. So um, it's uh, this, as it's, uh, as it's not, it's not a game you have to spend the like hundred hours uh, like your life to hack to hack your way through either. So yes, indeed. 
So I think that's about it. Like for this game, uh, Philip, I want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast with me to talk about to talk to talk about to talk about to talk about when your favorite 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 Super NES games. It's always very enjoyable having people come on the podcast to talk about which games that they really loved and which games which games they think shine out shine out for them on the system and they. The Super NES definitely was definitely was definitely was definitely was well known for its RPGs. So um, I'm always happy to give some extra coverage like this game. Um, even if, um, so, uh, so uh, thank you again for coming on the podcast with me to talk about it. Well, thanks for having me, Greg. I appreciate it. Sure, uh, definitely. Um, so uh, next up in the podcast, um, I'm not really quite exactly sure which game I'm doing next because um, because I'm. Yeah. Uh, because I'm trying to arrange for somebody for somebody to come on the podcast uh, to come on the to come on the podcast uh, on uh, by, by next week. So I'm not sure who's going to be on next. But I do promise you the person who's going to be on next is like is a very well known podcaster. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that. I will announce it on Facebook as soon as I have confirmation as to which game as which game is going to be next. Um, you can find the podcast on Facebook. Uh, it's, uh, it's also available on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can send me uh, feedback, comments, observations to my email at the Super NES Podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, I want to thank Eric. Uh, uh, um, sorry, uh, I'm getting my people confused here now. I want to thank Philip again for coming on the podcast for podcast with me, and uh, and anybody else who wants to be on the podcast to talk about to, to, to talk about one of the favorite games, whatnot. Uh, please feel free to contact me by either Facebook or email. Um, and. Uh, and uh, Philip, thank you again. Maybe I'll have you on the podcast again if you want to at some other point to talk about to to to, to, to talk about the, to talk about another one of your favorite like our, um, you know, uh, like Super NES games. Sounds like a great idea. Okay. You me, just look me up at Retro Obscura. I'll be there. Definitely. Um, so thank you again very much for your support for this and for the other podcasts that you do. Uh, you're a very active member of the uh, a very active member of, uh, a member of the Retro Junkies, and we all appreciate your support. Thanks. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.